Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Christy. And this week, we are going to, you know, take it back a little bit to what we wish we'd known when we were first diagnosed. Um, This comes, I think, on my eighth anniversary, pretty much to the week. Um, Christy, you've had it for about 10 years? No. Yeah, it's going to be my, it's going to be my formal official decade this July. So we're going to, yeah, oh my God, I didn't realize how like, kind of close our diversaries were. Neither um, did I. Month-wise, wild times. But kind of taking a look back, especially as we get some new listeners hopping on the pod, uh, a lot of newly diagnosed folks are listening and we feel for you, we hear you, and we were you. <laughs> so <laughs> um, to kind of kick things off, Christy actually mentioned this. To, let's uh, Maybe I'll do like a little bit of like a, a – not a dictionary, but a little definition of some of terms that we're probably going to use. But if you're super new to type 1 diabetes or any type of diabetes that involves insulin, uh, we call bolusing is when you give yourself insulin that's either a correction or for a meal. Um, No one quote me on this. I'm not reading this out of a dictionary. This is just my my life and how I'm dividing this. But Christy had a good tip that she wished she'd known that I wanted to start off with because that's honestly something that is a huge one. So take us away. So I remember, because I was diagnosed when I was 17. So I have a very clear memory of my diagnosis and like sitting in my diabetes classes when I was in the hospital. And back to season one, episode one, to listen to Christy's diagnosis story. when When I woke up from my coma, I was immediately thrown into the diabetic classroom um, that sounds like a joke. But Sorry, I just die. If people don't, you really have to listen to Christy's uh, diagnosis story to understand this, but continue because otherwise it sounds, well, it's terrifying either way. But Christy was in a coma when she was first diagnosed, but she's with us now. So continue. Feeling, feeling super conscious today. It's all good. <laughs> um, I just really remember being told a lot of rules and I am a rule follower. I'm a big note taker. I follow the rules. I don't think... That's why Christy and I are friends. (laughs) No cops out there would disagree. I don't have a record of any kind. I like to follow the rules. So I remember one of the biggest rules that they told me when it came to bolusing for a meal was that you give all of your insulin up front. You take it immediately before you eat. You can't take it minutes before you eat. You can't take it after. You have to take all of the insulin that you're going to have for that meal immediately before you take it. So I was kind of obsessive for a while about getting my plate together and then immediately taking the insulin. I don't know what I thought was going to happen if I you know, realized I had to go to the bathroom and then came back to eat. But as time has gone on and I've spoken to different doctors, gotten new information, as I just said, it's been about a decade. So I don't know if this was a practice that was more popular back then that has shifted, like if the medical professionals, if their attitude towards pre-meal and post-meal bolusing has changed. But I feel like it was in the last year or two, working with a new endocrinologist, that I found out you absolutely can bolus after the meal. In fact, 
if you are going to estimate, I tend to look at plates and I don't really estimate by carb, I estimate by unit. Like when I look at a serving of rice that I'm going to have, I don't think how many carbs is that. My brain does like how many units is that. There actually is a technique where you can split your bolus. So you can take half of the amount of units before you eat and half after or any ratio that works for you. You can take three quarters before and then a quarter after. And in fact, you can also take your insulin up to like 15, 20 minutes before you're going to eat and then also take units afterwards. That way you already have some insulin like pumping through your system when you sit down to eat. And then, you know, especially if I'm on the lower side, the post-meal bolusing has been huge for me because it helps you avoid that crash. It helps you avoid the crash and also the spike afterwards because food sometimes takes a little while to digest. So if you're sitting at like a cool 90, but you are going to have a big meal, if you take all of your insulin up front, there's a natural just kind of like flow, which having the CGM has been hugely helpful to watch. But you know, that might come down a little bit and then go back up. But if you are getting the low alert, you know, you were at 90 before the meal, and then you're getting alert like, hey, you're at 75, 74, and you're like, oh my God, why is this going down? It's because you had so much insulin in your system and you're still digesting. So if you can take a little bit of insulin before and a little bit after, or take it all after if you're like riding on the lower side, but you're going to have a bigger meal. Like this was all just huge news to me and it has been so helpful. I wish I had known that I could give myself insulin after the meal and that I can give myself insulin like 20 minutes before the meal. There are a bunch of strategies there that no one told me about when I was 17. So there are a few caveats to this. First, I want to say that Christy, it's important to point out that Christy was using multiple daily injections, MDI, which I feel I still like am. still 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 always, is this. Always but and I mean, forever if I can. I mean, like back in the hospital when she was first diagnosed. So when I was first on MDI, I was told the same thing. But I have since learned when I got a pump a few months later that had capabilities of dividing the bolus for you um, or like increasing a temporary basal to give you more, make up that bolus over time. Basal is the background insulin that I get from my pump um, or it would be similar to like a long acting insulin for multiple daily injection. Um, But basically, I think that a lot of diabetes educators um, and endocrinologists kind of like are in not crisis mode, but it's so much information at once. They kind of not leave a stuff, not leave stuff out on purpose, but they need you to take your insulin. So they're going to tell you, you know, like there's probably a bigger risk of forgetting to take insulin if you divide it up and this and that. But personally, getting on an insulin pump for me and having that kind of remind me or give me that insulin on my own, like that dividing that those boluses up actually has completely changed my life and my management. And I think that like the fact that you're doing that on MDI is amazing because you have to remember to do that. Like whereas my pump does it for my for me pretty much. Um, but I also think that it's interesting that the way a lot of endocrinologists and diabetes educators kind of approach type 2 diabetes, at least from my experience in people I've spoken to, but also the research I do for my day job at um, Prevention Magazine, where I'm like editing a lot of stories that are about type 2 since type 2 is so prevalent in the U.S., I think that that's just some knowledge that a lot of type 2 insulin-dependent diabetics aren't given, and it definitely affects your numbers. So a big caveat is that 
about dividing your boluses is definitely looking at what's on your plate, like Christy said. And if you're having something that's all, you know, super fast acting carbs, so like a whole bunch of like oranges or like a fruit salad or something, not necessarily saying that's when to divide it up. But if you're having a normal, not normal, but like a very balanced meal of fiber, carbs, protein, fats, like what have you, that's usually when a diabetes educator, nutritionist or whatever would be like, okay, yeah, definitely try out dividing stuff up here. So definitely speak with any professional about that before trying it for yourself. But if you have a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor, which Christy is now on, which we've had a few episodes checking in with her about because she recently got on it, like within the last year, um, def- I think it's definitely worth trying it out. You get to see how your blood sugar is affected by dividing up those boluses that insulin given at different intervals. And it's crazy to see how, you know, how different your roller coaster might be <laughs> of numbers. Like could be a slow monorail of numbers, which is what we all want, not an actual roller coaster, but literally like a subway. Or it could be, you know, like a kitty coaster, which happens to me, but is normal where I'll like oscillate. 60 points during before and after a meal, but then, you know, come back down. It's such a good technique for covering so many different types of meals and carbs that like, I wish that I'd known about it sooner too. But I understand why a lot of people aren't told it, but you heard it here, folks. So definitely ask your doctor and ask different people about that if you're like, what the hell are they talking about? But we're not talking about dividing, um, your long-acting insulin. This is specific for actual short-acting. Long although, yeah, long-acting is good too if you're on multiple daily injections, right, Christy? Yeah, that's some, that. Actually, is something else I was going to say. So, it very much varies depending on what type of long-acting insulin that you're on. So, initially, I'm like going back here. I'm actually on my third different type, um, and. It, as things have adjusted for me over the years, I was started on Novolog for short acting and Lantus for basal off the bat. I did that for years. And then I started rising overnight, I think is why I started going on the Tugeo, which doesn't last, it lasts for like 36 hours rather than that traditional 24. So I was only taking the Tugeo once a day, but basically there was overlap. So, cause it's an imperfect science for how long exactly the insulin will last. Like your 24 hour insulin might only last like 18 hours some days. Like it, there's- and it peaks at different times. Like there's just so many variables when it comes to that. Exactly. So the Tugeo I think was more geared towards holding you steady, but because there was that overlap overnight, um, it just helped, it helped me have that little bit of extra when I needed it. But the dawn phenomenon. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, but no, the, I, the I, dawn I, phenomenon for those who are who are curious is often a phenomenon that occurs for a lot of different types of diabetics who kind of have a slow or drastic increase during dawn, where your blood sugar becomes more insulin resistant, and you're usually it has to do with either I don't know something about REM. REM, I could be making that part up, or your long-acting insulin could be wearing off if you're on MDI. Right, Christy? Right. So you should definitely ask about like 
peaks and how long your insulin lasts, but just to know that you're not actually locked into one. Like, I think that's something I wish that I had known because I thought Lantus was like it. I don't think I asked enough questions when I was diagnosed, but I just thought Lantus was like the long acting insulin. That's what you get. When I found out that there was another option, I just had to like ask for it. It blew my mind. Um, and now fast forward another couple of years, I'm on a long acting called Levimir, which I actually take in, I split that dose. And something else I wish I had known, you don't have to split it evenly. So you don't have to take half in the morning, half at night. I take a different amount because I definitely have uh, that dawn effect. I take several units in the evening and then I take three in the morning because I tend to drop a lot um, as we're like approaching dinner. So that, like late afternoon hour. The witching hour. Remember the witching... we used to talk about this all the yeah, time? Yeah, because that's what my mom calls it. I was like, you know what? It really is an evil hour. So I don't, I don't need as much in my system then. So it makes sense for me to take the bulk of my long acting after dinner. So I have that in my system overnight. And then just so I have something in my system, I take only three units in the morning. Um, but I remember when I was first working with my doctor um, about splitting these doses, and it makes sense to start by splitting it half and half. So I was doing five in the morning, five at night, just so that you can like tweak from there. But you know, it, it is empowering to know that you have like you can do some experimentation. Like I only ever move things like a unit to start, like I think to split immediately and go, oh, I'm going to take, you know, nine at night and one in the morning. Like you shouldn't make a big adjustment like that without talking to somebody, <laughs> but, but you can experiment like slide by one unit in the morning, one unit at night, depending on like what your levels are looking like during the day. But I think knowing that you do have some agency there and like, I tend to keep my doctors overly aware, but a lot of times when I send an update to my doctor, like, hey, I started doing like only three units in the morning and seven at night rather than five and five and it's going great. Like her response is just going to be good. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's good. That's fantastic. Good. That leads me into something that I wish I'd known when I was first diagnosed. And that's after a certain amount of time, your doctors are really hands off, um, at least in that's probably because once you get below a certain A1C or um, once you've had it for a certain amount of time, obviously, like, you get into a flow of things and no one knows your body like you do. But – and I also, like, high-key don't want a super hands-on doctor because I'm already super hands-on with my diabetes management as it is. And kind of the last thing I need is for a doctor to be, like, I need to see your reports every two weeks. I need to see this, this, and this. It's like I'm not – in a space like that right now in my life where that's necessary. Um, there's nothing against that. A lot of people do prefer doctors like that and hands-on care, and that's great, whatever works for you. But I was kind of like, I had no idea that I could like shop around for doctors or that like I could, um, you know, advocate for myself even a little bit as far as like figuring out like you said, I had no idea that 2JO even existed until right now. Like I've never had a doctor approach me or even suggest anything other than Novolog or Humalog, um, which are basically the two main fast-acting insulins. But ironically, you know, obviously they're not going to suggest anything other probably than Fias, which is another fast-acting one, which no one has said to me. I've just learned about it on my own. Um but ironically, I was started off on Levimir as my um, long-acting, Christy. Really? And that's, that's what I'm yeah. at now. Um, but no one told me I could split it up. So 
I'm sure I might have been on MDI a little bit longer. Had... It only it only lasts for it or it has a reputation at least for lasting only 18 hours. That would make a lot of so, sense. So that's why they try to they try to yeah. split it and, it and it also does have a peak. I think it's 2 or 3 hours after you take it is the after peak you that... take it is when you peak. So that's why I take it makes like later in the evening so that overnight when I'm starting to rise it's kicking in but then I also tend to be a little bit higher in the morning. So I like to take you it take nice and early in the morning before I exercise and like have my coffee and get ready for the day. So when I'm sitting to have breakfast, it's kind of moving again. Now a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, Christy, have you heard of US Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website. And now back to the episode. That's great. Yeah, I think that that's definitely something I wish I'd known. I'm sure if I if any of my doctors are listening to this, like, and you told me, I'm sorry, maybe I just needed it drilled in a little bit more. But I'm really happy with where I'm at in terms of my pumps and my CGM. Well, I have one pump, insulin pump, that is. I'm still on the Omnipod, which I have been on since after like six months after I was diagnosed. So a lot of this is to say I didn't necessarily take the time to look into a lot of this myself, but I was also 20 years old when I was diagnosed. I was in college. I was at an internship. I was doing all of these things. Um, but diabetes was obviously never really on the back burner for me. Um, <laughs> that's just my personality. <laughs> I'm way too concerned with all these things. But I think that having that agency and being able to divide up your long acting sounds amazing. So hopefully if you're listening, definitely talk to your doctor. Don't just like take it on yourself um, unless feel you feel like, like you could. You can, but You can probably split up any kind. I think just some have a reputation yeah. for being more I just mean legally. We have to say that. Legally, yeah. talk to your doctor. Talk to a medical professional. Christy and I are not medical professionals, no. even what, though we what, feel what, like what we are. What works for us is not supposed to be the – and so you should do it this way too. It's just this is what has historically worked for us. Right. And um, when Miriam comes on to discuss her pregnancy, I know that she actually found an extra hybrid way of managing crazy not, – not crazy. i got to stop using that word – wild fluctuations in blood sugar without having to use huge amounts of insulin. So like she would use – she'd keep on her insulin pump but then also add in MDI to help fight some of those um, peaks and valleys, roller coasters, if you will. So all of this is to say, yes, we're super privileged. We have all of these abilities to use CGMs and pumps, what have you, but there is actually – so many things available that people don't talk about, whether that be savings cards for like different insulins or um, different glucagons, which are fast acting, like if you pass out from a low blood sugar type of thing, type of thing. It's like an EpiPen for diabetics, but like not because it's kind of more chemically and medically involved. It's a giant syringe. If you use the old school glucagon, now there's this thing called Vaximi, which is not, we are not sponsored by, but it sounds like I, we are. Um, 
which is like basically an inhaler. Well, it goes in your nose. It's a nose spray. It's like a nose spray. I have it in the other room. Me too. And um, hopefully we never have to use it, knock on wood, but it definitely makes things a lot less scary when you're having to rely on other people to revive you um, because a lot of people get really scared when you show them that glucagon needle. Um, also, it can be intimidating to show others how to use said glucagon needle. So being like, this has the pictures and it's a spray up your nose. You don't have to inject me is like a lifesaver. So that's another tip. Now we have these new, newer um, medicines, if you will, that are available and there are savings cards that are available for them too. But I had one more thing that I wanted to bring up. Oh, my big thing is that this is also mostly for our fellow U.S. citizens because anywhere that has nationalized healthcare, I'm sure this doesn't apply to you, but you can ask for a different meter. Like I had, I've basically had pretty much every type of meter, like glucose meter, not continuous glucose monitor, but meter. So finger prick, what have you, to check my blood sugar over the past eight years because I've had like four different insurances because every time I get a new job, I'm on a different insurance. And then also I was on my dad's insurance for a while when I was a youth and got to have that. I know you said that as a girl. I remember not making those payments. Oh, God. I can't. I can't. Don't get me started. Yeah. U.S. healthcare, man. What a time. Anyways, um, I remember being like told I had to use the meter was it the omnipod i don't remember i had to use some meter and i hated it it took forever freestyle light oh my god me too i think it has the little butterflies on it i do like it for that reason oh no that was my favorite one and then my current insurance made me get an accucheck um but basically i didn't know that there were meters out there that had backlights so like if i need to check my blood sugar i know the freestyle light has this in the middle of the night, it had a little light. So I wouldn't have to like wake Matt up or I wouldn't have to get out of bed in my dorm room to like go, you know, figure this stuff out, what have you. Um, Huge game changer for me personally. And sorry, go ahead, Christy. No, no, I was just going to say something I found out recently because um, especially when I was still getting used to the CGM, I was checking like freakishly a lot. And we've talked about this too, like those first two or three days from changing your CGM, I check with my finger sticks a lot. Yeah. Um, that backlight, it should always be working if the meter is fully charged. At least this is true on the freestyle light because that's what I use. If at any point you turn on the light and the entire meter just dies or like you don't get the reading, it turns off, it's not a bad finger stick. Your meter has low battery and you, you need to get a new one. Okay. I will say the freestyle light burned through battery like nobody's business compared to the AccuCheck guide. It, it's happened for me in the last couple of years. I'm just like so used to it that yeah, no, I love it. It's it's, it's 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 worth it for me. It's like it's I always so have small. a ba- I always have a backup one like ready to go. Um, but just Same. FYI, if if it the whole thing shuts down when you try to turn on the light, you need to get a new one because that's gonna die. You heard it here first, pals. Um, giving you the hot tips from all the different meters. <laughs> but I basically I you know have been scouring uh the what's covered and what's not a lot of a lot of companies have no idea what they actually cover in terms of diabetes supplies so um you have to talk to the insurance company which will then send you back to your company which what have you it's a long line of things but basically i did my research and i found out that i would still get covered a good amount with 
this I think honestly I think there are only three meters that have backlights um by backlights I mean like the little port where you insert the test strip that's the big thing for me (laughs) it sounds like such a small thing but let me tell you it makes my life so much easier but basically I asked about it my doctor prescribed it um and it, it ended up being, even though it wasn't preferred, I think it was just $1 more or something a month, um, which for me was worth it. So again, it kind of goes back to all the stuff we talk about advocating for yourself and asking and asking questions and um, trial and error. Is, this is the disease that is all about trial and error. And I wish someone had told me that also because I feel like when they send you home still, with your – It still, it still is. is. Like I, I'm, I'm constantly seeing what different foods at different times of day are doing. Like and your research is never over. It's never You're over always, because – You'll always be experimenting. The insulin that I needed five years ago is so different than the insulin I need now. And yeah, oh, I was 100%. honeymooning. But like it's – even when you reach like 20 – like you've had diabetes for 20 years, your body's constantly changing, especially if you identify – or if you have a uterus, I'll say – you have hormones and those hormones are constantly changing and that in itself will make things hell for <laughs> inconsistency reasons so it can and it will yeah it uh, it'll it'll make itself known that uterus um but yeah that's that's my 5 cents it's a little bit more than 2 cents like i remember feeling guilty when i had to go up like when I'd see how much insulin I was using at the end of the day and I was like, oh my God, does this mean I'm not eating well? Does this mean like my sugars are out of whack, whatever? But I realized, A, I was getting tighter um, management. Like I was staying within my love, my um, Dexcom lines, if you will, more frequently. But B, I was also enjoying food more and I was doing all these other things. But like I remember my doctor being like, oh, you don't want to go over like 12 units a day. This is like when I was like honeymooning or something. But then, you know, fast forward two years, obviously not honeymooning anymore and using like 30 units a day. I was going to say that is not not where I'm at. Yeah. 12 was a bad number. It was probably like 22. But it's, it's still okay. Like whatever you need, there's no one right answer as long as you are feeling good and taking care of yourself. So... That is, I think, the big – yeah, basically everything's going to change. If you were recently diagnosed, get a hang of it now, but know that it is a disease of trial and error, and hopefully there will be a cure one day, but until then, it's we're constant experiments. But honestly, sometimes it can be – like when you nail that bolus, when you nail that blood oh. sugar landing, it's like chef's kiss. <laughs> I mean, it, also when you don't, it can feel like fresh hell. But, um, you know, no one puts in the work but you. Even the care, like, yeah, caregivers when you're younger for sure. But once you're doing your own management, which like at some point we all need to do, it's exhausting. So when you get those wins, you got to celebrate those wins. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you. I went off on a tangent. Did you have anything else you wish you'd known, Christy? No, I, th- I think you summarized it really well there. I... I don't know when I was diagnosed, I was told like, this is forever. You'll never get rid of this. But I wish that it had been phrased to me in that way. Just like, you're, you're never going to be perfect at this. Cause right. I think I, I was waiting for that feeling for a number of years where I was like, all right, so eventually I'll be able to eat whatever I want and dose and like never, ever, ever be out of range. Cause I'll just, I'll just know, like, I'll just never, ever have a problem. I'll never, ever be low when I'm out with 
friends. I'll never ever be high when I'm home and sitting on the couch. Like I'll just know how to avoid that. Like what works for you one day might not work the next. And that is, it's such a frustrating feeling, but it's not it's okay. forever. It's okay. And it, that part is not forever. Like just know that all of the bad feelings, those don't last. Like the disease is never going anywhere, but we hope it what, will one day, but we're not going to give anyone false hope here. So for now, this again, is how to not, cope not, with it. Not medical professionals, but not medical professionals. Yeah. I just, I wish that it had been laid out for me in a little bit more of a hopeful way. Just like the expectation is not perfection. Like you shoot for that 100 as often as you can, but like it's, it's okay a, it's to a, be it's 200. Okay. It's okay. It Nothing happens. Perfect. It happens yeah. to the best of us. But I think just understanding that like I didn't fail if right. I go out of go out of my like, bounds. There's just like such a what's the word? like a connection at least for me um being a little bit of a perfectionist or just caring so much about getting things right. Um, which, you know, we're all, I'm in therapy for, which helps, you know, with my diet, like I see a therapist who has type one diabetes and like, she's great and she'll, you know, kind of help manage those, but like those expectations that I put on myself. But I feel like a lot of that has to do with what we're told at the beginning of diagnosis. And like, there's no right way to tell someone they have type one diabetes, right? Like there's no cure for it right now. There's a whole bunch of great technology and management if you're privileged enough to get it. And um, I think that it's hard because they have to – doctors and medical professionals have to drill in the importance of taking care of yourself. But nine times out of ten, that terrifies the person being diagnosed. So because um, the fact of the matter is it's a scary disease. Like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, you know, I'm never anxious about it or I've totally landed, you know – how to cope with something, let alone how to actually bolus for something, but actually how to cope with something. It's something that we're continuously learning, like we're continuously learning about our bodies. So I think that kind of like as the years go by, I've noticed that I have to give myself more of a break, um, which is weird to think because you'd think as the longer you have a disease, the more you'd nail everything. But my expectations for myself have changed where I'm like, I've had this disease for longer. Things do get easier at times in terms of like figuring out how many carbs are in something or, you know, realizing, wow, fiber actually does, you know, count for me to, I can subtract some fiber from this meal or add a longer extended bolus for some protein and fats. But, you know, the diabetes is still going to be there and not everything's going to, not going to land at all every time. So, Realizing that, like, as long as my A1C is under seven for me, which, by the way, A1Cs are bullshit. Sorry for anyone listening who's, like, you know, living and dying by an A1C, but it's absolute trash. And I think it's something that we should never compare others to um, or each other's to. I don't know. Words are hard. But, like, people who post their A1Cs on, on social media, good for you, but also – not my thing. I'm like, I don't want anyone to see a number and be like, well, why am I not there? Or, you know, am I doing something wrong? This disease is hard enough as it is without having to compare yourself to someone else. Like my body is my body. It's not the same as anyone else's and no one else should have an opinion on it. (laughs) Like I will go off on a tangent about that. Oh, it drives me insane when I see people like 
oh my god you have like a 5.3 a1c like that's huge congratulations you should absolutely celebrate that what have you but i don't want to put that in someone else's face like i don't you know that can make or break someone's day for sure so pals if anyone ever asks me what my a1c is I'm going to tell you to check yourself um, in a loving way and less <laughs> intense than I just did right now. But I don't even know where I was going with this other than it gets better. It doesn't always get easier, but it gets better, I should say. Right? Yes. I don't know. Circle back with me in a week. I'm sure I'll have a different opinion. <laughs> Depends on but, the week I have. But so, but so is so is T1D. <laughs> check right. in with us next week. Yeah. Um, that pretty much wraps us up. I think my, my long tirades tangents, I hope some people took some good actionable things away from this. Definitely look into splitting up your boluses or your, um, basils or I don't even know anything you want. Check in with a medical professional. We're not doctors. Uh, yeah, if you, if you made it through, congrats. Um, follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals on Facebook at pancreas pals PP. Um, email us on the emails on the Gmail pancreas pals one, two, three at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. We actually, I swear we do have some exciting people we're interviewing coming up, including hearing from Miriam, um, and maybe hearing some cute, uh, noises from Max, little baby Max, uh, the, the latest pal to join the, the clan. But as an honorary always, pal. Yes. Forever. Hopefully he's never an actual pancreas pal. We hope his pancreas continues on. But um, we have actually pancreatical, pancreatically capable pals, so I shouldn't say that. We don't discriminate based on beta cells. Anywho. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm spiraling. So everyone have a great week. Christy, as always, you are effervescent and a joy. It's a pleasure to be here. Happy to talk him. All right. Everyone have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye. Today's episode was brought to you by U.S. Med Supply. Thanks for listening. Hey, Christy, have you heard of U.S. Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website.